Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. We will begin a mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the back room of the Martian Occupation Changing Room and Ice Cream Parlor deep in the sub-basement of Area 51, welcome to TalkCast 356. Oh my God. And this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, for lack of anything better, I am your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, most of the gang of four in the Peabody Time Tunnel are technical radical... It's our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriving, sometimes violent virtuoso. Tonight she's in the game room. It's Kriana. Sometimes my ass. <laughs> Thank you, violent virtuoso. From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeons Manuscript Conservancy, with an advanced degree from the College of Cyborg Academia at Fresno, friend to lycanthropic underprivileged, welcome Zombrarian. It's not in Fresno, it's in Reseda. I'm sorry. I didn't realize they'd moved the campus. Well, so what do, you, what do you... Go ahead, I'm sorry. The Karate Kid also from Reseda. Ah. Who, Jaden Smith? That. Excuse me, what did you just say? <laughs> Get out. Get out of my ears. <laughs> Ah, that's what she said. Exactly. Hopefully joining us in a little bit, the man who invented the phrase, the smirking chimp, but not for the reason you think. You know you're in the presence of greatness because when he's here, he's our own futurist and gamer, the guy who likes really shiny stuff awake by Java. But since he's not here, it kind of wasted that whole intro. Joining <laughs> us tonight, two guests. Two, two, two guests in one. Uh, the first half of the show, we will be speaking with uh, a returning author, one of the creepiest guys in the universe, and a good friend of ours, L.L. Soros, joins us to talk about his new book, Blue Clay. Uh, wait, uh, no, buried in Blue long. Clay. Buried in Blue Clay. Uh, I actually, for a moment, I'm just going to digress momentarily, looked up to make sure that there wasn't, in fact, a Blue Clay, Massachusetts. Oh. And I wish there had been. Yeah, there isn't, unfortunately. Ah, that's a shame. Joining us in the second half hour from a New Orbit magazine in New Zealand, live from New Zealand, it's Naomi Moore. Naomi, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Okay, that's because you haven't heard the show yet. Once you've heard <laughs> the show a little bit, you may begin to regret that. But for now, we'll take that. Uh, and we're going to be talking in the second half of the show about 
New Orbit magazine and its premier uh, publication coming out in October. That's the one. Meanwhile, L.L. Soares, who has been on the show before, and he's back again. But not five uh, times yet, as we no, discussed not earlier. This is so he's not that cool. Three. I mean... No, not, not well, yet. You have to temper your excitement you here, Dom. You will be the member, the second member of the Five Timers Club. Whoa! Actually, actually, you will be the third because Stacy hasn't been uh, given the title yet, but she's been on the show actually more than five times. Wow! I think you better that's give her a nicer title then. That's assuming you're going to invite me back. She might, she more, might hurt you. Well, I, th I think between uh, your writing and Cinema Knife Fight and the other stuff that you're doing. I think we're going to have a happy relationship for a while to go. Especially. You know what? That's between the two of you. <laughs> I mean. Calm down, Kriana. <laughs> Fine. You think you need to calm down. Tonight, we're talking about your new book, Buried in Blue Clay, uh, which is actually not the easiest title to say. Really? I, Isn't I it? I thought I'd mention it. Yeah. You just said it, it so it, nicely. I know, but I'm a trained semi-professional amateur. Uh, and I was showing it to a couple of people this afternoon, and they were kind of going, blurry, blurry, blurry. And I said, no, you've got to do it slowly. And there's a reason for the alliteration. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> well, yeah. There's always a good reason for alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe you shouldn't bring uh, a lot of mileage out of that tonight. <laughs> maybe maybe you shouldn't bring the book to a methadone clinic and have people try to read yeah, it. Yeah, you're there. probably right there. It was, you know, during a needle exchange party, it's always a bad idea to bring out horror books. Tactical yeah. error. <sighs> well, a faux pas, if you will. I am, in fact, one large technical error. That's the problem at this point. So, it always is interesting to me to figure out to, to ask horror writers where this story came from uh you set this story in a fictional uh a seaside town in massachusetts called blue clay when where did this one come from okay basically blue clay has been in a bunch of my short stories and um i thought it was about time to finally bring it into a novel and a lot of the stories are very surreal, and I thought I'd try to explain some of the things that were going on. So that's basically where it came from. Um, it is a fictional city, not a town, because it has 100,000 100, people. So Supposedly. It's a little, it's a, yeah, well, we don't see them all, obviously. Um, it would be a very long novel. It w that would be. But... Um, it's fictional, but it is um, a conglomerate of some real places. Like, I grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, where um, some, of the, the, some of the locations are kind of similar. There's also um, a beach that's behind a mansion in, I think, Fairhaven, Massachusetts. So some of these things are based on somewhat real things, but they're twisted and mirror images so o over the scope of time, uh, you have built up this city of Blue Clay, Massachusetts. Um, 
and you set this novel in it, the main character is a guy by the name of Reddy, uh, which is an interesting name, by the way, because yeah. I'm not sure that that's, that's not a wordplay in itself. And I'm wondering what he's ready for. I'll be honest with you, about three quarters of the way through it, because it keeps creeping me out. <laughs> which well, I think was the point of it. Um, well, as far as his name goes, uh, let's see. My father-in-law's name is Redmond. And that is Reddy's full name, but everybody calls him Reddy. Oh. Um, his last name is Soames, which is obviously similar to my own last name. And it is told in the first person. And uh, that is kind of like, um, I don't know, there's a, there's a long history of that. Writers having like doppelgangers in their fiction. And obviously he's not exactly like me, but there may be some similarities. But you have set up this city... To kind of like be a, a, like you said, in, in your short stories, this this surreal things happen there. And I'll be honest with you, surreal things happen in Buried in Blue Clay as well. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt, it starts off surreal and just takes a hard left at, at that point. Um, the main character is a writer who's seen better days. Uh, hasn't published anything in a while and is trying to get a uh, a publisher interested in fronting him the money to do research on a book about the town, the city he grew up in and the weird things going on in it. Yep. Basically, he's a writer who, um, who hasn't had a lot of luck and uh, a friend of his who's an editor tosses him a bone. So he's he's coming back to Dinosaur revisit his or human. Aha! Uh -huh. well, you have to read the book. <laughs> the plot thickens. Dun dun dun. Hey, when are you so going to share that back? ice cream? <laughs> yeah, really, huh? I am not sharing any of this ice cream for the listeners at home. Before we started recording, I told everyone my secret recipe for the best ice cream in the world. Did you let this out? I'm not sharing it with the listeners. Oh, I'm just no. saying. Can I? Can I tell them? You can tell. Well, them. I think if they want it, they should actually email Sombrarian at SciFiSaturdayNight.com, and uh, assuming that still works. get the recipe. <laughs> but I mean, if you wanted to cheat, yeah, you could tell them. <laughs> oh, I'm not telling. It's it's a complex recipe. Yeah, it's you a should go back to talking now. about writing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded very complex, to be honest with you. <laughs> so Reddy comes back to visit his childhood uh, haunts, and it starts out with him showing up at a hotel that he remembers from his youth as being thrown out of. When he was in high school. Yeah, I guess back then it was actually a fancy kind of place, and now it's on hard times. Kind of like him. And it's kind of like the whole town has, like, a whole area that was once, I guess, much in much better shape than it is now. Yeah, um, the 
the places where it's kind of inspired by are places where in the past maybe factories maybe fishing industry stuff like that were prosperous and now a lot of the factories have closed down a lot of the jobs are gone and it's just not as uh you know it things aren't aren't so bright anymore So what he sees in this town is the serious underbelly that he'd never known as a child. just kind of hinted at. Tell me about the hexagonal rooms in the basements. That was Where did actually, that come from? I don't know. That actually has was in some of the short stories. And I, in a way, the novel explains some of the things the short stories never did. But basically, they're like, I guess... There are hexagonal rooms that are called like ghost traps. And what they do is they trap these creatures that are called jellies that are kind of humans in jellyfish kind of skin. And yeah, that's, that's so creepy. Just, yeah. And that's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that pop up in the story. So there, there are actually three different types of beings in blue clay there are the humans there are the jellies and there are the rays yeah the rays are more mysterious i guess about what their motives are and don't forget um, the, I, the bugs yes yeah, i don't even want to go there i'm <laughs> sorry but i don't i don't even want to go there the whole bug thing is whatever <laughs> Needless to say, there are bugs involved. When I was a little kid, I always thought the scariest thing in the world was when they'd blow up those pictures of like bugs' faces, and you'd see them like very close up. And I thought that was always like more alien-looking and scary than any monster could be. Well, in fact, in the fifties, they used those as monsters. By True. Way, you know, uh, like them, which was just basically superimposed huge ants and things Them like that. is the scariest movie I think I've ever seen. It's actually it was really for good. Time, absolutely. You know, all these remakes, I'm really surprised they never remade that one. Because it was actually yeah. a strong movie. And you'd think that it could, it could be like, it's one of those ones that could actually be redone really well. And it was a B-movie that was actually up, you know, better than average. Yeah. It wasn't, like, stupid or anything. Yeah. I, mean, I don't yeah. know if they could top the little kid that they found for that one, though. The one who's who's uh, mute? Yeah. So, yeah, and then yeah. when she starts screaming, you're like, oh, God. You know, another good one is uh, <laughs> Deadly Mantis. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Oh, that yeah, one, absolutely. That one's pretty good, too. Yeah. But, you see, the problem for me is they take a really, really great film like the 1953 version of The Day the Earth Stood Still, and then they remake it into that piece of horrific drivel. But you're not scared by Keanu Reeves? Oh, he frightens the hell out of me. <laughs> I keep waiting for t to play air guitar during it, but he doesn't. <laughs> Although I have to admit, he's pretty damn good in those John Wick movies. Yeah, I mean, but why? Why would you do? Why would you change the whole focus of the day the Earth stood oh, still? There's no reason to even remake that. Yeah, the Michael Rennie version is like perfect. Oh, oh my God! With Sam Jaffe as the professor, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. There was actually like a few movies back then 
that were like really, really good, but like kind of overlooked. Like um, there was this one called I Married a Monster from Outer Space, which is like the stupidest title ever. But it was actually a really, <laughs> a really smart science fiction movie. <clears throat> there were a lot of smart movies hidden in, in underneath all of that really hokey stuff. Um, That's true. Early yeah, Forbidden Planet. Terrific movie with Leslie Nielsen, one of his very first movies. But like Forbidden Planet and like The Day the Earth Stood Still have very, are very respected and they have really good reputations. But there are yeah. like movies that that really are overlooked. Like this one, The Monolith Monsters, which is about aliens that are actually stones that reproduce, which is very odd, <laughs> and unusual. And then um, there's actually, I mean, and then the what's the one based on the Ray Bradbury story? Is it with the giant, with the xenomorphs? Remember that one? Oh, um, I forget yeah, the, I name can't think of the name of it. Okay. Which kind of brings us Oh, that's it. Right, exactly. Which, which kind of brings us to another really good knife bike. Yeah, which is your your review website where you and, and a bunch of your friends sit around and review not necessarily brand new movies, but whatever kind of tickles your fancy at any point. Yeah, how did that one come about? Um, basically, uh, Michael Aruder and I were both um, reviewers of of horror movies mainly. And we decided at one point to team up and do like a Siskel and Ebert kind of thing. And we did it for a few different sites. And then uh, one of the sites we were doing it for closed. And we just decided to just create our own site. So basically what it is is every like every Monday usually is a brand new movie, whatever's in the theaters at the time. And then throughout the week, um, we have a staff of writers who write all different kinds of things. Some people review newer movies. Some people review classics. Some people review trashy Italian horror movies. There's all different kinds of things for everybody. Trashy Italian horror movies. Some of my favorite vampire movies are trashy Italian vampire movies. Like, like which one? Oh, I wish I could remember one offhand. I was just looking at... Uh, oh, can't think of the name of it. But there's just some great stuff. You know, that on one there. with that guy, obviously. <laughs> the one with that guy, right, on NPR with that other guy. Exactly right. But there was some really good so ones. I was, like I was, Mario Bava I, and Argento. And... Yeah, that one sounds good. I, <laughs> I, was, I was on Cinema Night Fight uh, the other night. Oh. Because I just spent an unsatisfying evening at the cinema. And I saw that there was a review there of the movie that I had gone to see. The movie was Valerian. No, it wasn't. It's called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. No, the movie was Valerian and Why Was This Thing Made? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's getting a bad rap, but I think obviously most people agree with you because it's doing pretty poorly at the box office. I mean, I'll be honest with you, there were 12 people in the theater, and it was Aww. the Thursday night open. That's Didn't really impressive. They released it the same weekend as San Diego Comic-Con. They did indeed. That's true. That was a poor choice on everyone's part. Th that must be why it did so badly. 
No, I, I think the reason it did so badly is because it didn't have a plot and it didn't have characters. It had it really, did. really pretty. No, it did not. It had really, really pretty pictures. Like, so okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You two <laughs> just had a yes, it did, no, it did not, with no evidence backing up your claims. True. Yeah, you have, you have to get into more detail. Nerd fight, Queensbury rules, <laughs> must cite okay. three examples. Yeah. Go. Okay, it had no story. It uh, did. It, it had a, a very, very basic story uh, that did the classic B-movie treatment of hiding relevant facts till the very end so that you go, Oh, that's why that happened. As opposed to letting the person who's watching the film figure it out as you go along. Because there were things that occurred in the movie that there was no clue for. Um, yeah, I, I don't was, really think that was the point of the movie. The point of the movie was, was, to, was to thrust us into a totally alien world that was fresh. I think, I think the plot was secondary and just a reason to get things going. But I think the the real reason to see it was all these different species, all these different people. Um, basically, I mean, I'm I haven't seen it, but I'm kind of with LL because if you really look at, say, uh, people are gonna freak out. I'm gonna get hate mail and requests for my <laughs> ice cream recipe. Um, Star Wars is not that complex a story. Oh, you, you shouldn't have said that. Now you're in trouble. Mark Hamill will have a word with you later. It's, no, it's a very good story. But it's and very it's a, simple. And it's a classic story. But it's, right. But it's a simple story. Oh, and most okay. of what you love about that movie... Is, is the, the very de- first detail. one is yeah. the incest, is the, the spectacle, no, and not the, just me. Yeah, and okay. Mos Eisley and all of that. I'm ignoring you, Kriana. <laughs> um, because we can. Um, but I also yeah, but think you have to. I also think people are taking the movie in a totally wrong direction. I think a lot of people are comparing it to like straightforward science fiction, and it's not supposed to be that way it's kind of playful it's based on a french comic book from the 60s i guess it's still being published now um i compare it more to like a movie like barbarella which is also based on a french comic book and is actually has like a kind of a wink to it it's it definitely visually it's very much the same to be honest with you except it has tons of money in cgi in it right but i mean if, if they redid Barbarella, it would look like this. I agree. And I think that's actually the, the movie it's closest to instead of Star Wars. But then again, um, Star Wars didn't come out of a vacuum. I mean, it, it had, even Lucas mentioned that he had been inspired by a lot of different movies. Everything from Kurosawa to... Uh, and I'm quite sure he was aware of these comic books. Oh, yeah. They were... They were and I mean, he uh, basically... Let's be honest, he took a a fairly standard fantasy story and set it in space, which is exactly. cool. Yeah. But it's not, a, Star Wars is not a sci-fi movie. It's a fantasy movie set in space. 
I, I would agree with you on that. Much like Firefly is awesome, but it's a Western set in space. It's a Western set. But there's in nothing space. wrong with that, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like John Wayne in space, which is awesome. So here here's the cool part. If you've seen a movie and you like it or you don't like it, check up on Cinema Knife Fight and you'll find some really interesting views, some really interesting viewpoints. You'll also probably find some films you didn't know about or you'd forgotten about or you wanted to see and you forgot about it. It's a really interesting website, really cool writing and really a lot of fun. And uh, this book, Buried in Blue Clay, is the creepiest book I've read in a long time. Well, thank you. And, you know, uh, I'm beginning to have quite an affection for horror novels as a rule. And, LL, you never fail to creep me out. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, and if people <laughs> want to go, it's com. And I also have LLSource.com. links up there for yeah. you, my friend. Sure, excellent. Okay, so you guys could just click on the links from the website, and we'll send you there. Uh, we'll send you to pick up a, a copy of Buried in Blue Clay. Uh, we'll send you over to Amazon so you can look at some of this older stuff that we talked about on the show before. Excellent. Because uh, there's some really good writers out there. My friends, LLSource is one of them. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, you, and you're in, you're more than welcome to stay for the next half hour. Sure. As we bring in Naomi, welcome Hello. to Sci-Fi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Naomi joins us from somewhere in New Zealand. I'm not exactly sure where. We're in New Zealand. I am in New Zealand's biggest and possibly only city. <laughs> I'm in Auckland. What cool. time is, is it there? Yeah. Sorry? What time is it there? It is 12.30 in the afternoon. Brilliant sunshine. And you're On in tomorrow. Thursday. Right? Yeah. So you're <laughs> actually in the future. I am. <laughs> we are talking I experienced Wednesday before all of you. Wow. This well, is like science fiction come to life. <laughs> yeah. Time travel. <clears throat> and now we're here to talk about New Orbit magazine which is a new magazine that is going to debut in New Zealand and internationally in November. October. October. <laughs> I was she told so you that close. before. I know, but do you think yeah. I can remember that? I thought you were I a professional. I things in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's printing in New Zealand, but it'll be available to everybody, both in print and online versions. It's... You know, everyone can take a piece. It'll be it'll be of interest to everybody in the world. So we're not going to limit it to just New Zealand. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so talk to me for a little bit about what your vision for New Orbit magazine was mm-hmm. and how you brought it together. Right. Um, well, uh, the kind of inspiration was came from the kind of stories that I love to read, even as a, as a young person up until university type age, I love to read the kind of um, dystopian science fiction, speculative fiction type things like um, Isaac Asimov's iRobot books, 1984, that kind of thing. 
And those kind of stories that kind of make you uncomfortable about the future and the way that we're heading are really well expressed in short story form. So I thought, why don't we get a bunch of those short stories and share them with everybody? So anything that we're worried about in the present, any of the kind of trends that we're on, we can change before they get to those negative experiences that we're seeing in these sci-fi stories. And in the real world. Exactly, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I God. Think it's a good time yeah. for it. <laughs> sure as hell, that's true. <laughs> Been an interesting week here in the world, hasn't it, kids? <laughs> the dystopian future is here. Exactly. We need to address it right now. <laughs> that's, that's why now is the time. <laughs> so, what made you decide that it was your charge to put together this magazine? Did you bring other people in, or is this your your vision and your work yeah this is this is my baby um <laughs> i i was looking around and um i do a little bit of writing myself and i was thinking where can i get more inspiration for these kind of stories and i found that there's not really a dedicated platform for those kind of stories and if you want something and it doesn't exist then it's your responsibility to make it so <laughs> that's <laughs> I true did so mm. So you, you set this opportunity in motion, and exactly. what is your vision for bringing stories in? How, how, how do you, how's the mechanism work for this? How does the mechanism work? You're, you're casting your net out to mm -hmm. the world. Yes. Um, both in terms of I want to get stories from people from all over the world, all walks of life, and I want to share them with all kinds of people too. I'm actually in the process of reaching out amongst high schools to try and get some stories from youth writers because I think they're really important in getting ideas about the future and where it's where it's headed. So that's one avenue that I'm really excited to look into. Um, we're also looking at getting some work from more established speculative fiction writers. Uh, we've got a couple of offers, which are a little bit secret at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll let you, you keep that secret for the moment. Dome's <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll let you keep the secret. And I'm like, give us a hint. <laughs> well, you, just, you just kept a secret about the ice cream. You won't tell anybody about that. <laughs> I'll tell you. If Zombarians gives... Gives the ice cream secret. Can you can you give us a couple of hints? What do you think? I will give some hints. Yes, they can be as obtuse as you want. Like, mm -hmm. okay. So the secret to the best ice cream in the world is to get striped ice cream, which is also <laughs> called trio, which is also called I think is it it's called spumante. No, that's the one with cherry. Um, oh, this right. is Neapolitan. <laughs> that's it that's it. it's the one that's strawberry vanilla and chocolate and you get your bowl of that with equal amounts of each kind of ice cream and then you eat the vanilla first and then you mix the strawberry and the chocolate <laughs> together so in other words you're eating an entire half gallon of ice cream by yourself no 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 you you scoop it so that it's equal amounts oh <laughs> Well, technically, you could eat the whole half gallon if you wanted to. You could eat the whole half gallon that way if you wanted to. <laughs> That's but your prerogative. <laughs> anyway, now I want now I want Naomi to give a sense. <laughs> 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 the 
Thank you for sharing the recipe, though. You're welcome. Um, okay, in terms of hints, it is a, a male writer um, whose book that kind of brought him to fame came out in 2011, and he is from the U.S., <laughs> well, that could be anybody, so, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's see what else I can give without giving it too much away. Um, he's very interested in uh, sentient rights, animal rights, sentient beings, that kind of thing. And that's oh, kind that's of um, related to the story that is going to be in the launch issue, so I'm not going to give away any more. <laughs> It's obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> that Which is your guess for virtually everything. Yeah, Sorry? that's... Yeah, my guess for everything right now is Lin-Manuel <laughs> Miranda. Or if it's a dead person, it's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> like, there are only two people in the world. Abraham Lincoln wrote science fiction? Yeah. He did. Haven't you, you seen Abraham see Lincoln, Lincoln Vampire Lincoln Hunter? Lincoln God! Oh, he didn't write that. <laughs> what? It's an autobiography! You cult uncultured <laughs> swine! Now that's a bad movie. That is. <laughs> you, want to pick, you want to pick on Valerian? Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. Actually, yeah, I actually do want to pick on Valerian, but <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is actually even worse, but that's okay. So, Naomi, what's your favorite bad movie? My favorite bad movie? Um, oh, I can't really think. I was I was listening in when you were talking before, and I was kind of fangirling about them. It was one of my favorite movies. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> I haven't seen it in years. That's not a bad one, though. That's a good one. No, that's a great one. <laughs> I don't know. There's too many to choose from. <laughs> when I was a little kid, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the drunk guy. Remember him? He yells, "Make." Mm -hmm. Make me a sergeant, charge of the booze. <laughs> That's like toward the end. I don't know why I liked that when I was a kid. It's all great. I love the, the, the puppets when you could see them in full size and how they were with the strings and everything. They were great. They You're were not talking about the ants, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ants were puppets? <laughs> some of them were. Some, yeah. some of the shots, yeah. Yeah. Oh, in other words, amazing. it was just a horrible blue screen, but our green screen, but it was a <laughs> wonderfully horrible green screen. They were yeah, puppets when the army was shooting at them. Um, yeah. And then some of the establishing shots of them were actual ants that they mm -hmm. filmed up close. And personal. <laughs> so let's talk for a couple minutes about what it is you're looking for if uh, we have writers out there, and I know that we do, <laughs> who are looking for, yeah. who might be interested in submissions. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, um, we are definitely looking for submissions at the moment. We're really excited to see every story that comes in. Uh, our running theme is uncomfortable little futures. So th that's pretty wide. You could write about almost anything. It's kind of like... Um, any of the issues that you look at today and think, oh, that's not going to end up well, follow that to its logical conclusion. And so everything. The perfect story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just make an actually. we're on track for. Yeah. Actually, okay. if, you wrote a, cool. if you wrote a magazine about stories where the future was good, 
it'd be mm. probably be one issue, right? <laughs> that, that'd be harder to. That'd be really yeah. surreal. <laughs> yeah, because we all know that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Look yeah, around. So, um, along political lines or environmental lines or anything like that, societal, social type stuff. Yeah. Who were some of your favorite dystopian writers? Uh, George Orwell has always been a favorite, of course. I really like Robert Heinlein, too. His um, short story, Universe, is one of my favorites. Have you read a lot of the, um, the I guess, the new wave from the 60s people like J.G. Ballard and... Um, no, not jo- that one. John Bruner and Harlan Ellison and Michael Moorcock. Dick. Uh, Philip K. Yeah. Dick, totally. Yes, I have read some of them. You can't get Amazing. more dystopian than him, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's he's basically the baseline right there. He really is. That's why they make so many exactly. movies out of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, bad movies, in fact. <laughs> Horrible movies from time to time. Yeah, most of the time. Uh, Dome. They really should make a movie out of um, "Flow My Tears." The policeman said, no, "Oh my no, they god, shouldn't. that's a masterpiece." You know, I thought when when uh, Netflix was going to do "The Man in the High Castle." I said to myself, self, maybe they'll do it. Maybe <laughs> it'll be. And, and wow, did they not do it. I oh. really don't like that show. I don't no. know. Sometimes they're best relegated to literature. <laughs> yeah. Although the book is really, really dated. It yeah. It's written like in the 50s and, and like a lot of it. Like, <laughs> especially like, it's like very like um, chauvinistic and stuff. Like a lot of the stuff is really. Well, so totally is a lot outdated. of Highlands work. Oh yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> so I mean, you know, if if you don't look at it as a, a a piece in its time, if you take it out of its times, it, you lose some serious context. Yeah, mm. you really have to take it for what it is. Yeah, which is why we want to get, um, especially want to focus on writers from such a variety of places. There, there are obviously lots of female science fiction writers that are working right now Definitely. as well, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, kind of, kind of cut out the biases, <laughs> or at least so spread them around the, a bit. Absolutely, yeah. Give every equal opportunity bias here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what what young writers and, and sometimes older writers and and sometimes every writer. Uh, mm-hmm. falls uh, afoul of is the person who says, yeah, yeah, we're, we're putting a magazine together and you're going to get some great exposure from this. <laughs> so uh, we're not going to pay you, you know, because you, literally it's an advertisement for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when not, you can't pay your rent, you get even more exposure. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exposure you were going to make a joke gold, about that. That was the, the joke. That, that, oh, was, that, was, that wasn't very good. It was deliberately... <laughs> Did you ever see the movie good. The Grifters? Yes. Yeah. With, All right, uh, in The Grifters, Annette Bening exposes herself to pay the rent. <laughs> there you go. Now, see, that's... So, that's... Wait, but why are we talking about exposure, though? Because yeah. we're talking about how I'm not going to uh, charge oh, writers with their exposure. <laughs> there we go. They're going to get paid. Why? <laughs> what's, what, what's that? <laughs> as writers it's hard to hard to remember the times right it is <laughs> so yeah. i want to know just because this is the kind of thing that's fascinating to me because mm. i am a weirdo 
Um, you didn't ask about ice cream? No. Is that Does that create, like, compl- a lot of weird complexities with an international group oh. of writers to pay yeah. them? Right, yeah. Well, um, in the modern age, luckily we have PayPal, so... <laughs> Uh, even if I pay in New Zealand dollars, which I would, it gets transferred into whatever you want when it comes back out. So nice. Yeah, I hadn't actually considered that as being an issue, but yeah, it clearly could be. <laughs> See, I think about things. You do think about things. One of the very important reasons we keep you around: you're a thinker. <laughs> I want to hear more about um, about the high school. The potential young writers yeah, that you're trying uh, to get. Well, at the moment... Well, when you put it like uh, that, today, that sounds creepy. Yeah, why are you so interested <laughs> in high school kids? Because <laughs> uh, th- well, yeah. they are my job. Oh, I... I, I th- oh, okay. I work, with, I work with teenagers as my job. You should tell oh, them well, about okay. your ice cream. I do, actually. <laughs> recipe. Things like that. You tell them your recipe? I... No, they're too oh. young to handle that responsibility. <laughs> oh. It's far too complicated. <laughs> but so are you reaching out to um, places with writing programs or? Uh, no, at the moment, um, I'm actually just talking to New Zealand high schools. I will be talking to high schools all over the world as I get the time. Um, but, you know, the, the people with the most vested interest in what happens in the future are the people that are going to be living in it. So... Obviously, people still in high school have the ability to go into those roles and change far better than anyone who is already, you know, in adulthood, in a job, and that, all that kind of thing. It's, uh, it's kind of a lost cause. <laughs> that sounds like me in the dome. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we're, we're well past our prime, young man. <laughs> You're already there. You're already making changes. Can I ask you a question? How did you get the name the dome? Um. It goes. It goes back to the day I shaved my head in uh, nineteen ninety-eight. I like oh, how he's saying I, shaved, like it wasn't mostly natural at that point. It was. <laughs> it was about three quarters. Yeah, three quarters <laughs> to the wind at that point. I've and seen those pictures. Day, I know you have. Thank you so much, doll. And <laughs> one day, uh, my best friend goes, "Hey, dome." Let's do a radio show. And we started Sci-Fi Saturday Night on the radio. Oh. And I got that name. I had used a different radio name for years prior to that. But for some reason, Dome stuck. And it's been that way ever since. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked about my secret origins before. Really? <laughs> I feel Origin. like people guess when they see your picture and or meet you. I was going to say, they see the picture, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unless I'm wearing a hat, at which point they go, How'd you get the name of the dome? And I take the hat off. And then it's <laughs> to give away as well. So if you're going to be dealing with everything from young writers in school to college writers <laughs> to writers just trying to get a break as mm-hmm. a writer to established writers, what's your uh have you have you thought about your submission criteria? How do you figure out what you're going to put in the first issue? Yeah, well, the first issue was a tough one. Um, we are just kind of seeing what comes in and 
going through and seeing, you know, what kind of things we want to share. In terms of specific themes, once a year, as part of the subscription, we will do a, um, like a special edition, which is focused on one particular topic, such as uh, we might do the future of entertainment. And we'll have both stories that are related to entertainment and the trends that is going on, as well as interviews with people in the industry. For example, people working in virtual reality, that kind of thing. And um, cool. story, yeah, have the stories around one particular theme for that one issue. So that sounds cool. In general, it'll be a, a variety, but yeah, on occasion we'll have the specific ones, which will be really fun, really interesting. So I mean, you're going to have you, in the issue, you're going to have everything from well-known established writers to kids in a high school reading uh, writing course who just mm -hmm. maybe i'll just send them this and see what happens <laughs> exactly yeah <clears throat> if the and that's exactly there, the, right and that's exactly what you want it to be mm -hmm. so now all these different voices getting their shot you started this on your own this is the, i and I know things sometimes. Magazines <laughs> are a lot of work. Are you doing most of this on your own, or are you? Do you have staff now? I do not have staff. I have a. Uh, my partner is in business, so I'm getting a lot of help through that. But yeah, for the most part, all of the all of the hard yards are coming out of me. <laughs> so you are the graphic designer slash selection committee slash editor editor. <laughs> <laughs> slash yes. reader. Yep, it's all coming out of slash my uh, website admin. And the whole <laughs> mm -hmm. All the email addresses come to me. <laughs> <laughs> Seven different email addresses denoting different things. They're all you. Does that feel That's familiar, like... Kriana? <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how are you feeling about things right now? How are you feeling about the startup, the way things yeah. are moving. I am. I mean, you're already really a whole excited. day ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how <laughs> yeah. What is the future like? <laughs> well, at the moment, it the weather is great. <laughs> hey. Life is good. Is it winter there right now? Uh, it's just coming into spring. Oh. Hmm. What is it for you? It's summer. We're yeah. very, yeah, towards the middle to the end of summer. Okay. And it's <laughs> in the 90s and, and muggy and fun. <laughs> yeah. I see. That's 90s Fahrenheit. Also. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, we do if it was 90s centigrade, we'd all be dead. Well, I have <laughs> terrified people before <laughs> i bet you like, have what's the weather like there i'm like oh it's super nice it's like in the 70s and they're like what <laughs> you guys all dead <laughs> yeah that's how we're talking anyway sorry <laughs> you were telling us how you're feeling in the ramp up to your first issue yes um it's kind of the first project like this i've ever taken on and it's so exciting it's a lot of work but it's all going to pay off yeah we do definitely need to see some more stories from people. So anyone who likes to write, I'd love to see what you're writing. We do need to get some more subscriptions from people. So if you love to read, I'd love to give you that writing. <laughs> yeah. How often does it come out? It's three times a year. 
And how much do you pay writers? Uh, the writers, it depends on the amount that is sold. So it's commission-based with a flat rate of, um, in New Zealand dollars, it's $40. So it's not a great deal at this point, but in terms of the commission, which is added onto that, it becomes more and more the more that is sold. And obviously that might grow as the magazine grows. Absolutely. That's that's, a, that's and, the plan, yeah. And again, it's 100% more than just getting... Exposure. Exposure. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting process, Naomi. I mm -hmm. think this is a, a really special idea. Because it, it takes a world of, of speculative fiction and futurism and opens up to the ideas and con concepts of an entire world. That's something exactly. very new and very special. And what a great idea. And we wish you the best of luck with it. As things move forward, please keep us informed. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what we can do to help. We'll have copies of your uh, submission links on the website so that writers can take a look at that and send you a story if they're so inclined. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. No, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, Kriana, who's on the show next week? Mm. <laughs> oh, well, if you actually took a look, what you'd find out is... Next week, Richard Paonielli is going to talk about his new science fiction novel, Escaping Infinity. And the week after that, Colby Elliott comes on to discuss the world of audiobook production, because that's what he does. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Redcon, Northeast Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals in original art some of your favorite artists. If you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, I Feel Your Family, now on Amazon, in Barnes & Noble. Be sure and drop by and say hello to us if you're going to be in Granite Con. Was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out your music. Many thanks to the gang from the Peabody Time Channel. This is the start of the time. We have a thank you, And the woman of words on prairie. And enjoy your ice cream. Thank you. This is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lesson, shared joy and crazy. Thus, we all Have a great night. I know.